Welcome to the Felt Recall Podcast. This is episode 123. Episode 123. My name's Chris. I'm going to be here solo with you this evening. Mr. Hulon is uh, spending some time with his family. After weeks on the road doing work, he's going to relax. So I will sail this ship as the tears of lonesomeness stream down my face. And I miss my friend. But I think I'll get through it. Hopefully. Glad you're here. Thanks so much for telling people we exist. We're seeing the reviews come in. Subscriptions are rising to the podcast. That is largely and mostly to do with you and you telling others. We're seeing higher engagement on our social media than ever before. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. New episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you do get this podcast every Tuesday, I do hope you'll subscribe. You'll make sure you rate us and leave a comment. Even if it's a mean one, we want to see them. All right? Truth be told, once you send a podcast out into the ether, unless you have some sort of degree in information technology or engineering, you don't really hear much more about the analytics. It just goes out there. You can see how many people download it, but Apple and Stitcher and all these guys don't exactly track you down and tell you, here's what people are saying about your podcast or here's who's downloading it and from where. You have to pay people to do that, which we do. So we can see it rising, and uh, we appreciate your effort in making that a thing. Okay, uh, our charity of choice this week, not necessarily involved in the story I'm going to share with you, but involved in... The eradication of the behavior that leads to this being a story. The Tallahassee Police Department, according to the Washington Examiner, arresting 178 people. 178 people arrested and linked to a sex trafficking network after a two-year investigation. Officials charging over 100 people with felonies, such as lewd battery on a child under 16, human trafficking, production and possession of child exploitation videos and material. That's all according to the Washington Examiner. The story is linked at our Facebook page. You can help end this. It is modern-day slavery. Every 30 seconds, somewhere around the world, a child disappears and is sold into the trafficking that is happening around the world. OUR is there to help stop that. Operation Underground Railroad, you can go to OURrescue.org, learn more about them, learn why they exist. They exist to rescue children from sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. It's happening. America is the largest consumer of this type of thing. We have to help stop it. We have a moral obligation Become an abolitionist at OURrescue.org. This podcast, by the way, not affiliated directly with Operation Underground Railroad, okay? Um, just volunteers that help when asked and uh, or needed or whatever's in the area, uh, especially around the state of South Carolina. But I do ring this bell every chance I get because I think it's worth the attention. It's, it's happening. It's here. It's in the United States. It's in South Carolina. It's in my neighborhood. It's in your neighborhood, whether you want to know it or not. It's there. People are stealing and raping children, and we can help stop it. It costs a lot of money to stop it, though. There's big bucks behind it. Massive money to be made out of this, which is sickening as it is, means you need that much more to go stop it. So please, OURrescue.org, OURrescue.org. 
I have now had personal experience with the worst that is yet to come. And I'm not going to give you a lot of details because it's hardly my story to tell, but I'm involved tangentially, I guess you would say. But I was considering the fact, it looks like we're going to have a Biden-Harris administration. Woe is me and all that. I had a fireside chat literally with my oldest son yesterday, having a bonfire in the backyard because America. And uh, he's catching wind of all the political mischief. He's hearing the conversation between mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. And so his big concern is that if Joe Biden becomes president, he's going to make us wear masks everywhere, and he's not going to wear a mask. And I said, you're not going to have to wear a mask. We're free people. We don't have to wear masks if we don't want to wear masks. There are businesses that we won't go in if they require the masks. There's places we'll choose to not give our money to if they want to require the mask. And it all boils down to a personal belief. Now, you can hear this and you can say, oh, great. He's one of those. But I do believe that the government isn't allowed to compel you to any sort of action. I just don't think they are. Uh, they, they take our money uh, and, and they do with it very immoral things like funding late-term abortions with it. We give money to Planned Parenthood, which was caught selling the organs uh, and the dismembered bodies of unborn children. <laughs> this is an evil organization founded on very racist ideology, but I digress. There are things the government does that it gets away with simply because it's gotten away with it for so long, just, just because we've allowed it. Truth be told, it's a very strong theory that if enough of us would go to our employers and say, don't take any more federal tax dollars out of my paycheck, and then we all told the federal government to kick rocks, there's not a whole lot the federal government could do about it. There's a lot more of us than there are of them. But I don't want to get too lost in the sauce or into the weeds here. My point is this. I was explaining to my son, we are born free people. That is what the founding documents of this nation are all about. And more importantly, more importantly, no one man can take that away from you. No two people can take that away from you. Biden and Harris can't come and take that from us. Uh, they can try by force if they decide, but that would be a very bad idea on their part. And they know that. And there's checks and balances in place, which means kind of the radical conversations of civil war uh, and secession and things like that aren't truly necessary at this point. We can have rational conversations about the balance and distribution and checks and balances of the American government and its power right now. So I was trying to explain to my son um, the separation of powers, but I think I came up with an even better analogy that I'll share with you. I said, son, the important thing, and that's what I call him, son, because it just sounds more dramatic, more compelling, smarter, I said, buddy, listen to me. No, son, <clears throat> listen to me. Um, people fear what they don't know. People have masks on because they don't understand the coronavirus. They haven't read the studies. They don't know the science behind it. Now, some people have read the science. I think Ben Shapiro is probably 7,000 times smarter than I could ever dream to be, maybe a little bit more. Um, and, and he's a fan of the mask. And he would tell you that if elderly people come into your home, uh, you should wear a mask while in the same room as them. I don't know that I, that I think you have to do that. Certainly an okay precaution if that's the step you want to take. What I will tell you, this leads back to the story at the top that I mentioned, personal experience with the worst that is to come. My grandmother, who is into her 80s, 
and it is late into a battle with Parkinson's, contracted coronavirus about two weeks ago. She was sent to a facility locally to kick it, I guess you would say. Um, She got better, no problem really, in kicking the coronavirus. The problem is, I want to tell it to you this way so it makes a little better sense. What had happened was Nana got COVID. They take her to the hospital so they can keep an eye on her. She kicks COVID in a matter of a couple of days. They send her to what they called a rehabilitation facility. Why for? I really don't know. This rehabilitation facility was the worst thing I've ever seen. It was terrible. And again, I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of details, but suffice to say that um, you couldn't get inside to see Nana. You could ring a doorbell, and you could walk around and look in through a window, and it's very, very, very sad. Um, Desperate, I would say. Um, She was ready to go pretty quick. Now, as I said, she's battling Parkinson's. She takes Carpidopa three times a day, two regular doses uh, in the morning and afternoon, respectively, and a double dose at night. Now, you don't need her medical information outside of that. What you need to know is uh, she is, on an average day, quick-witted. She is engaging. She loves sitting outside watching nature. My parents have a big deck on the back of their home, and her and mom will sit out there and watch the birds. They can tell you the types of birds. And, like, as I would look at the birds and go red one, yellow one, they know, like, robin and finch and that kind of crazy stuff that normal people don't care about. But she's she's intelligent, kind, quick-witted, and she spent uh, a couple weeks in this rehab facility, and I told her, in person, by hook or by crook, I'll get you out. It was obvious that she was not being treated well. I would say not even being treated below well. It was worse than below well, whatever that phrase is. And uh, the people there did their best to disingenuously pretend to care. The staff um, are probably nice people, but they didn't do a good job at all. Not even a subpar job. And so, in conversation, I said, how do we go about not paying for her time there? Because it was a, it was a reset. Um, something needed to know. The, carpido- the medicine Nana takes um, makes it so she can get around. Makes it so she can think clearly. It sustains her, is the way to say it. And they never administered the medicine, as best we can tell. Um, it was like just hitting reset on somebody. And I don't want to give you a bunch of details that, you know, I'm probably giving you too much already, but the point being you, you just can't do that to someone. Um, so I say, how do we get out of, of paying? How do we just tell them we're not paying? And then... I'm told it's Medicare, Medicaid. 
It's her government health care. And I was like, oh, ding. I get it. I get it. Let me tell you, these people cared so little. They were so detached. They were so clueless that when we went to get her and literally, literally had to carry her out of the facility, not that they would let us in the facility, they wheeled her out front and basically said best of luck and then griped about where their wheelchair was as we were waiting for them to hunt down her medications. One patient per room, and these people, well, we can't find her medicine. She had medicine with her? Where? What kind? So, (laughs) you know, our patients had reached its end. But we got Nana home, and you know what? As soon as she got back to her regular regimen of medication and someone actually caring enough about her quality of life, as my mom and my wife do, her primary caretakers, um, boy, she's back at it. She's back at it. She's got her wit back. She is uh, up and moving on her own when she wants to, to a degree. She uses a walker. But she's regular old Nana again, and we're happy about that. But it, it brought to mind to me that the government doesn't care about your quality of life. Government doesn't even care about the sanctity of life, uh, let alone the quality of life. Age-old debate to be had there. But we got to see what will become of us if these people who say the government should take over your health care get their way. And it is not a pretty picture. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. We've seen there was that famous story in Boston. There was the Terry Schiavo case out of Florida, I believe she was in. We've seen what happens when the government intervenes and legitimately kidnaps people's children. And holds them in hospitals and does what it wants to do for the sake of your safety. You know, Herbert Hoover said, by the way, that dictatorships are usually rooted in the government telling you that it's doing what it's doing for the sake of an emergency. Boy, doesn't that feel familiar. So now, I'm outside with my son last night. And he has seen that, you know, he knows grandma, grandpa, and Nana all got COVID. Everybody's better. It was not a huge deal. They were sick. They were sick. You don't want to be around them. But everybody's better. And um, the stigma is hilarious. You know, if, if your uh, parents or your grandparents got the flu or anything else that has a 0.02% chance of killing them, um, there's no stigma there because the media and the government haven't worked you up about it. But uh, point being, my son knows everybody's better. We're moving on, and he doesn't want the mask mandate. And so I'm explaining to him, no one person can make that happen. It has to come from the very top. Biden and Harris could very well say we want a national mask mandate. And if the states don't play along, well, here's what's going to happen. We're going to withhold money. Trump did it. Trump did it to sanctuary cities. They could likely do Now, again, it's a little different. In fact, totally different because sanctuary cities are breaking federal law. I'm sure Biden and Harris, though, would kind of take that approach and say, mask mandate or else. So he's a little worried. I was trying to explain no one man can have that power. But I said to him, the problem is people fear the things they don't understand. And there's not a lot of people out there who are willing to really dig in and try and understand the coronavirus. 
they're willing to watch the news and they're willing to be fed things so that it's easier. They'll read the Cliff's Notes version, but they're not reading the studies that say kids don't transmit to kids, adults transmit to kids, so schools should be open. They're not reading the studies that suggest that a very small portion of people dying from COVID die solely from COVID, something like 6%, 94% of the time. They have three 2.6 pre-existing conditions in order for COVID to be a contributing factor in their death. So COVID isn't killing people. It's a contributing factor. It's kind of like the story, if you've seen the headline, where they're saying a contestant on the TV show Wipeout died after running the obstacle course. Now, sensationally, what the media does to you, because it only makes money if you keep coming back, and you only keep coming back if you believe the media is explaining things to you so that you don't die from those things that they're explaining. Sensationalizing the story, the media has portrayed it to be that the contestant ran the obstacle course and then died while running the obstacle course, when in all actuality, that contestant ran and completed the obstacle course and had a heart attack. Had nothing to do with the obstacle course itself. That person died from a heart attack. But in the COVID situation, they would tell you they died from the obstacle course. Well, had they not run the obstacle course, they wouldn't have died. Eh, maybe. But had they walked them all tomorrow, they probably would have. Because the heart's going to stop when the heart's going to stop. It's coming. It's a ticking time bomb, right? So... We fear what we don't understand. So I made the analogy to my son. Just imagine, here's what the government does to you. The government is like the parent who would tell you to clean your stuff up. So (laughs) to understand my analogy, you need to understand my backyard a little bit. Uh, It is a mess, uh, but it's a fun mess. We have three children, and we don't prohibit them from building stick forts and playing with toys and doing whatever it is they want to do in the backyard. Okay. They're going to be kids for 10 years max. Okay. And then they're not going to want to play out in the backyard anymore. So for now I say, let them have at it with some parameters. They have to clean their stuff up at the end of the day, but they can go out and have a good time. Toys need to come back inside, not lay in the dirt. And for my oldest, (laughs) the tools need to be put away because that boy has literally power drills and hammers and everything else grandpa has passed down to him. And he takes them outside and he builds and he whacks and he does things. And it's just a great time uh, for him. But, But I constantly have to stay on him, pick the shovel up, put the rake back, get your hammer, get the drill, get all that out of the weather, wipe it off when you bring it in, clean it up, put it away. So I say to him, imagine if I didn't remind you of those things until midnight. I wake you up, and it's pitch black outside, and I say, go outside and clean your toys. Go outside right now and clean your toys. And you go, well, it's dark outside. And I say, okay, for $2 out of your bank, I'll go with you with my flashlight. And you say, well, let me use the flashlight. And I say, no, 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 you're not allowed to have flashlights. But for $2, I'll go outside with you with the flashlight so you won't feel scared. You'd probably give me the $2 if you had it to give me. And I go outside with you. And I'll hold the flashlight, and you do the cleaning. And then that is how it operates every day. You're afraid to go out because you fear the dark. You fear the unknown elements out there. And I have a flashlight 
that makes you less afraid, and you pay me for that flashlight every day. And, by the way, it's a requirement. You're only allowed to clean your toys at midnight. And if you don't want to be afraid, you better pay me. He was like, huh. I said, that's the government. That's how it operates. That's the media, and that's how the media operates. You better be afraid. But if you'll come back to me, I'll make you feel safe. And, by the way, guns are the flashlight. Guns are the flashlight. Because guns give you a reason to not fear the unknown. Guns provide you with a sense of security, with a sense that you can fend for yourself if all else fails. And in America, we're free people, and we're allowed to have the flashlight, and we're allowed to tell the government, you don't have to come with me. And by the way, we're allowed to tell the government, I don't have to clean it up at midnight if I don't want to. I'll clean it up while it's daylight. You can kick rocks. We are in a place now where I think, I don't think a Biden-Harris administration is going to ruin America. I mean, we had eight years of Barack Obama. He was pretty radical, pretty left. The question is, because by the way, the hope in this, the silver lining in it is that you have classic liberal thinkers in the House. And by that I mean people who really are liberal thinkers, not the hijacked term the American left is using these days, where they claim to be liberals and they're not. Okay, American, modern American liberalism is not liberal at all. It's actually very authoritarian. Classic liberalism, as you probably already know, is what Jefferson, Washington, and the Founding Fathers believed in. The right to pursue happiness, freedom of speech. And by the way, what I think is being trampled on right now, your freedom of religion. Thanksgiving is coming. Three, two, three days, depending on when you're listening. Maybe it's already happened. Thanksgiving, Christmas, historically religious holidays. Who do you think we're giving thanks to on Thanksgiving? Believe it or not, the holiday was not established so you could sit around the table and thank your family for each other. It is a thanksgiving to the almighty God that created us with the rights we have, everything we've just discussed. Ergo, the government, according to the First Amendment, the government can in no way restrict your ability to celebrate your thanksgiving with your family nor can it restrict your ability or desire to celebrate Christmas with your family. Anyone who tries to do that is a tyrant who is anti-First Amendment, case closed. Can't be argued. It's a religious holiday. The government's not going to go out there and tell Ramadan it can't happen. Well, sorry, you're not allowed to fast all day because we think you might get sick if you do it. So Ramadan's canceled. That's not going to happen. Thanksgiving and Christmas are religious holidays. Take it or leave it, like it or not. That's the way it is. They are Christian holidays through and through. Started that way, executed that way today. So government can't impede on that. So you have a right to gather with as many people as you want to celebrate your holiday. It's your religious, moral preference to do so. Now, we are fortunate in the fact that people are kicking back 
against these tyrants. From the Washington Examiner, a gathering of small business owners in defiance of coronavirus restrictions in western New York going viral in a video after a health inspector and three police officers turned up to turn down the crowd. Here is... the. There's three pieces of audio. This is the initial... Uh, the opening portion of the conversation between the health inspector and the police officers. And you'll hear the business owner begin talking to these people and basically saying, I've seen the devastating effects. You can't stop me from doing what I'm doing. And there is no law that stops me from doing what I'm doing. And watch, by the way, the brilliant position and transition of these business owners as they tell the police this is a protest, a Black Lives Matter protest, and you will not disband this. These people actually work for their money and they don't want to lose their livelihood. I've lost friends, I've lost family who've killed themselves. I've seen clients die because they've lost their livelihood. I'm sorry to hear that. I know you are, and I'm just asking for you to guys have some compassion for the people that have lost everything. We do have compassion for people who Okay, well, you need to go have compassion out in the parking lot. This is private property. (laughs) Go have compassion in the parking lot. This is private property. The private property runs all the way to the street. So what you'll hear in a second gets even better. Uh, They have the conversation. The health inspector essentially is trying to stall. I think what she wanted, there's three male police officers just standing around looking at the people. The one officer says, but you're not wearing masks. And the business owners say, there's no law. And the guy says to the cop, take me to jail. Take me to jail. If, if, if what I'm doing is against the law, take me to jail. But there is no law in the state of New York that says I have to wear a mask. There's no law. There's no law. There's no law. This is an important thing, by the way. These executive orders, these orders from the governors and all that, state law will be at play here. But on a national level, The president of the United States cannot dictate anything by executive order outside outside of how the executive branch of government and everything that runs up to that branch will enforce law that's already in place. This is what got Gavin Newsom in trouble. We talked about this recently, right? Gavin Newsom says, everybody's getting a mail-in ballot. California law says, no, 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 only these certain people who request ballots will get a ballot. And now the California Supreme Court has said, yeah, you were wrong, Newsom. You can't legislate from the executive branch. By the way, Chris Vermillion talking here. You also can't legislate from the bench, which is what's going to get Pennsylvania in trouble when that goes to the Supreme Court. I think they're going to have to toss every vote that came in after five, uh, is it eight o'clock? Eight o'clock on election day. I think they have to, by law, they have to toss every vote that came in after that time frame, because the Pennsylvania Supreme Court legislated from the bench and said, tell you what, we'll do five o'clock two days later. Willy-nilly. There was no law. There's no law that says they can do that. There is a law that says they can't do that very thing. So there's the back and forth. There's no law. There's no law. And then it turns to this. Who reported it? You know what? I don't know. Yeah. And by the way, the, the, he's, the, you'll hear the business owners say who reported it. This is a gathering of business owners who were talking about how to survive the COVID lockdown if it happens again. The lady who says uh, it's anonymous is the health inspector. So there's a reference on the voices. Who reported it? 
You know what? I don't know. Yeah, if it's, it's anonymous, anonymous, right? It's yes, anonymous. It they can't be anonymous. Complaint. You need it to know your accuser. Uh, you need to know it cannot okay, be anonymous. You gotta go get a warrant. It cannot be anonymous. You don't get the violate the Constitution. It does not matter. You don't circumvent or subvert the Constitution. Okay, Meth, you need to leave. There's the crowd chanting, get out. I like that she thinks because it's code enforcement, she's above the law. And they're going. They're going at that point. Sheriff's officers have decided it's just not worth it. Uh, the code enforcement lady has no real audacity. She's only there because she thinks she can be because she's a bureaucrat. She's part of the massive red tape problems we have in this country. Good for these people. Excellent for these people. Um, they took it outside, and uh, remember, they own even the parking lot. So here's what happens as they get out the door. You gotta get off the property. You don't want to get off the fucking property. property. Dude, just off because it's a Black Lives Matter protest. You're not welcome here. This is a Black Lives Matter protest. Turn your head. You gotta go to the road. We will not comply. We will not comply. We will not comply. I love it. We will not comply. This we do protest. not comply. This is a protest, we will guys. Not we do not we have to disband. It is a protest. <laughs> so good. Anytime you can play the opposing position's stance against them, you're going to win. And that's exactly what they did. This is the appropriate thing to do, by the way. Take no issue with this. You got three cops enforcing an immoral law. You got a lady there trying to do the same thing from the health department. Shout them down. Make them leave. Don't get violent. No need for violence. Cops understand what's happening. You can tell them. I don't think you, if you go watch the video, we've got this up at facebook.com slash felt recall show. You can kind of tell the cops don't want to be there. They're there, which is problematic. You can kind of tell they don't want to be there. So go check it out. We have a lot more there, by the way. You can see the incredible. Christmas drone display that proves we are living in the future. Find us on Facebook. We're growing there. Lots of interaction. Lots of fun. Plus, most every story we discuss on the podcast every week, you can find there as well with the Felt Recoil podcast. Okay. So, the protesters uh, there in New York give us hope. You also have protesters in California. This is from Fox News. In Huntington Beach... Protesters have gathered to the streets in defiance of Governor Gavin Newsom's latest nighttime curfew orders that went into effect Saturday night. Those took effect at 10 p.m. Well, about 400 people in Huntington Beach showed up right at 10 o'clock and lined the streets and said, no thanks, kick rocks Newsom, who, by the way, Newsom caught at a gathering of people, more than a dozen, for a friend's birthday, a lobbyist's birthday by the way, and Newsom said, good enough for thee, but not for me, when it comes to his own rules about coronavirus distancing during Thanksgiving. They gathered for a couple hours. Of course, it's a work night, and these are all patriots, so they have to work in the morning, so they went home. Uh, Further north in Fresno, dozens of people gathered at the River Park Shopping Center to protest Newsom's orders, a protester telling ABC 30 that the curfew will only hurt small businesses, calling it ridiculous. They're going about it all the wrong way, a woman said. 
When I was in Savannah, Georgia last week, there were signs up everywhere. Georgia's doing it right, by the way. There's, a, there's now a law on record there on the books in Georgia that says if you don't wear a mask in public and you catch coronavirus and die, nobody has any liability for it. Your family can't go suing Hobby Lobby because you had to run out and get some decorations and didn't wear a mask. You know what that's called? Freedom of choice. It's called liberty. It's called consequence of action. And if I want to go out and I want to risk death to live a normal life, then guess what? That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. It's an amazing, amazing place we're in. Everybody's panicked. They're covering up with these masks. And it's cliche to say it, but it's been said before. You know, I would prefer dangerous freedom over secure servitude. Paraphrasing. Something like that. If you would give up your liberty for safety, you deserve neither liberty nor safety. If you would prefer to live yourself as a servant rather than a free person, you can do that. But you have no right and should have no ability to dictate how the rest of us have to live, right? So there's some really harsh words from the founders about this very thing. And as I mentioned previously, even not so long ago, 80, 85 years ago, Herbert Hoover was writing about how states of emergency will be used to control society. And that is exactly what's happening. I mean, they have really put us at each other's throats. Managers of grocery stores coming up to customers saying you need to be wearing a mask. Customer says, that's not your company policy. It says you're asking to, but it's not required. Well, I want you to wear one. Okay, so (laughs) what do I care? Go away. There's no right in America for any individual. It's amazing to me, by the way. That the very people, the very people who want to scoff at those in favor of traditional marriage, who echo the talking point of, why do you think the government has a place in my bedroom, is now okay with the government having a place at your dinner table. Well, you will wear a face cover if you have people over for a group dinner on Thanksgiving. That, we're going to make that law, but, uh, but what, once you make it to the bedroom, that's... Is that it? Law stops. Can't have it both ways, by the way. Can't have it both ways. If you haven't read 1984, now is the time. Now is the time to read 1984. Uh, Okay. Uh, I got... (laughs) I'm really confused by Donald Trump. Um, I think you'll know if you've listened to more than one podcast from us. We are not... Donald Trump fans, but I'm a fan of the Trump administration. Interesting, right? I didn't vote for him the first time. I I honestly believe he's not a great person, but he's been a good president, not a great president. I think his behavior is below the office, and by the way, I think that's a fair criticism. Um, I think if you want to be president of the greatest country in the world, you want to be the top executive, act like it. 
think that's a fair criticism. I didn't like him the first time around. I liked him the second time around. I liked what his policies were getting done. I didn't like his behavior. And I think that's okay. I don't think those things have to, um, you know, I, I, I think they they can live independently of each other, those two positions, and not conflict with one another. Uh, but the one of the bigger problems Trump has and always has had is he's really good at looking like he has no idea what's going on. And Sidney Powell is a great example of that. So um, Sidney Powell, well, let's back up. President Trump tweeted not so long ago, by the way, that uh, he was looking forward to Sidney Powell being on his legal team. Um, he said, when was this? You know, this is November 14th. He said on Twitter, quote, I look forward to Mayor Giuliani spearheading the legal effort to defend our right to free and fair elections. Rudy Giuliani, Joseph Genova. Victoria Tunsing, Sidney Powell, and Jenna Ellis, a truly great team, added added Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis, a truly great team, added to our other wonderful lawyers and representatives. Sounds like she's a part of the president's legal team to me, but as it turns out, no, uh, no. Eight days later, the Trump campaign puts out a statement saying, quote, Sidney Powell is practicing law on her own. She's not a member of the Trump legal team. She's also not a lawyer for the president in his personal capacity. Rudy Giuliani, attorney for President Trump, and Jenna Ellis, Trump campaign senior legal advisor and attorney for President Trump. That's who wrote that statement. So, man, how are we supposed to understand that we have to part and parcel the president's tweets to know what's real and what's not real. That is really disorganized. And it plays into every critique and criticism people have had of this man that he just seems to have no idea what's going on within his own administration. If he doesn't know who's on his legal... And look, big money, big teams, I can understand that. But this is a woman who's been on TV for days and days and days. A woman who says... She's about to blow the lid on a pay-per-vote scheme so extraordinary and so shocking she's going to, quote, blow up the state of Georgia with it. From the Washington Examiner, quote, President Trump's legal team talked up on Saturday a massive lawsuit to be filed in federal court focused on an alleged fraud scheme involving Georgia and electronic voting machines. Jordan Seculo and Sidney Powell appeared on Newsmax to tease what's next for the Trump team that has faced repeated setbacks in battleground state lawsuits. Seculo said in the interview, I can tell you right now what is coming in Georgia. I can I can I can't pardon me. Seculo said, I can't tell you right now what's coming in Georgia, but what is coming in Georgia will be shocking. Hours later, Powell offered more specifics, predicting that Georgia, among other battleground states upon which they are focused, quote, will be the first state I'm going to blow up, and it will be biblical. She made several stunning allegations, including top Georgia state officials being paid to be a part of a conspiracy with Dominion Voting Systems, which has denied being involved in a vote-switching scheme, 
and much more. Powell said she believed the alleged vote-buying scheme stretched back years and members of both parties are involved. Then, like a day later, the Trump campaign comes out and goes, and you know what? She's not actually on the legal team. She's actually not on the legal team. Okay. So, if you were confused, it's not your fault. It's the president's because he put out a tweet that said she was on his legal team. And now, turns out, she's not. All right, one last thing, and then our vote of the week. Um, I got to tell you, I think this story from Black Rifle Coffee Company really shows, it ties right back into what we're talking about, sensationalized media. They will sacrifice the truth to sell you something. And I think they want to divide us uh, even more than we may already be. Now, full disclosure, um, if you ever go back and listen, (laughs) um, Black Rifle Coffee seems to be full of really, really good people. They're not above marketing gimmicks, okay? They took on uh, Starbucks, told everybody they were going to hire 10,000 veterans because Starbucks was hiring 10,000 refugees, and that wasn't right. American veterans should be hired first. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. That's a cool approach if that's what you want to do. The problem with it was uh, not entirely true. Starbucks hired 10,000 refugees worldwide, which amounted to like 70 in America when you did the math. Starbucks, by the way, props up American veterans like no other company in America. Sorry if that hurts to hear, but it's true. If you have served in the United States military and you go and work for Starbucks, they will pay for your college and then you can choose your spouse or your child, and they will pay for their college too. So there's that. They also have a program dedicated entirely, entirely within the organization on how they can help veterans come home and reassimilate into society. Starbucks is good to the American veteran, all right? And by the way, those Starbucks may take some weird policy stances occasionally, You cannot blame Starbucks for stories that involve one barista. Constantly hear of this anti-law enforcement stance from Starbucks because a barista wrote pig on a guy's cup of coffee. That is, if you believe that, there's no difference between that and saying guns should be illegal because one bad guy did one bad thing. All right? The extraordinary act of violence or the extraordinary act of disrespect from one outlier is not a proper representation of the whole, okay? So you can't demand respect for the gun community in general after a mass shooting and then act like Starbucks is to blame because one barista wrote one thing on a cup of coffee. Fair? Fair. So my point is not to beat up on Black Rifle Coffee Company, but just to say that they're not above a little marketing shenanigans, which every company does. You know, that's it's marketing, right? That's what you do. So I get that. What's interesting about the Rittenhouse story is that nobody, the media wants to portray it as if Black Rifle Coffee Company has, you know, kind of, um, what's the word? rendered its own verdict against Kyle Rittenhouse. They definitely haven't done that. They did not pull marketing dollars from the blaze. What happened was um, Lynn Wood, who is Rittenhouse's attorney, 
and who has a fund dedicated to helping raise money to defend Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, He tweeted out a picture of Kyle Rittenhouse and his attorney, uh, I guess within the home state. There's a team of attorneys uh, representing this guy. And then Ricky Schroeder (laughs) of Silver Spoons fame. And uh, these three fellows are all standing in a kitchen after Rittenhouse gets out on $2 million bond. And Rittenhouse is wearing a Black Rifle Coffee Company t-shirt. A member of the Blaze staff, who is a fella I'd never heard of before that has a podcast um, called Slightly Offensive, he retweets the photo. And he says, Rittenhouse drinks the best coffee in the world. And then he puts a promo code where you can receive a discount. Um, I'm going to assume... It's a promo code he probably pushes on his podcast and the Blaze pushes as a whole. People who aren't able to think rationally took that to mean that Black Rifle Coffee Company was in some way sponsoring Kyle Rittenhouse or taking a stand with Rittenhouse or maybe donating dollars to his defense fund. I don't know how... People took it that made, because here's the problem. It wouldn't be a story if Black Rifle Coffee Company would have just stayed quiet about it and said, no, I mean, we don't have any affiliation with him, but we do have an affiliation with the Blaze. Um, anyway, Black Rifle Coffee then releases a very lengthy statement from their CEO, and it went like this. Uh, number one, did we sponsor Kyle Rittenhouse? Uh, the answer is no. The reason for that, and the reason why I think it's important, is that we're not in the business of profiting from tragedy. We're not in the business of profiting from this event. We have zero interest in collecting one dollar from any of this. It is ethically inappropriate for us to do so or even give the perception. So why did we come out and say that? I wanted to make sure everybody knew we would not profit from this. Okay. Okay. So number two, did we separate our Blaze Media marketing contract because of that? No, we had a series of discussions with Blaze because there was a promotional code attached to an image of this. We said we do not want to be associated with profiting from this. Same thing I just said. We don't want to be associated with profiting from this. Can you please remove it? But our marketing relationship with the Blaze, we've had that for two years. Nothing changed with it. We believe in what they put out. We believe in that relationship. Number three, we believe in the Constitution, the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. Uh, We also believe that a person is innocent until proven guilty. Black Rifle Coffee has been around for five years. We have over 400 people. 55% of those people are veterans. Uh, We've been able to do a lot in a limited amount of time. So we have... We've raised over and given back over a million dollars to veteran-related issues. Our loyalty to the veteran community and the people that love America has never wavered. There you go. Uh, They've never wavered, and and that's great. And they are a good company that does really, really good things. So it seems to me the Rittenhouse story from the media is simply the media. 
maybe twofold. People misinterpreting something, right? Because not like the guy said, if you buy through this code, all he said was you'll get a discount, right? Tell them the Blaze sent you type thing. It wasn't a matter of if you buy through this, you're supporting the legal defense of Kyle Rittenhouse. I appreciate, by the way, that was the CEO of Black Rifle uh, Coffee and the uh, the founder, Evan Hafer. Is it Hafer? Hafer? Hafer. Evan, what's your last name? Um, I think that's a really good thing to say at the end, that we, we have a constitutional process. It's called due process. You are presumed innocent until those who accuse you of a thing can prove you actually did it. Prediction, by the way, that Rittenhouse walks probably with time served. I bet they reach a deal of some sort because the video evidence will show, as will physical evidence, that the agitators shot first, that Rittenhouse was attacked before using his rifle to defend himself both times, both times. So I think the evidence seems to suggest that that they can't get him on murder or manslaughter or any of that stuff. We know the gun charges were bogus. They had to drop the gun charges against him. So the state has an uphill climb ahead of it to say that Kyle Rittenhouse murdered anybody. They're going to go for manslaughter. We'll see how it plays out. And I think Evan uh, from Black Rifle Coffee is 100% spot on there that this is something we have to wait and see. I get the company not wanting to take a position. It is interesting to note, I mean, again, I'd have probably just said the last part. This is my company. You say, Chris, you got to go out and make a statement. I go, okay, cool. Hey, we're not affiliated with any sort of legal defense for Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, The only thing we want is for the constitutional process that's already in place to play out. We'll be interested to see uh, what the court decides. We hope that he gets a fair trial by a jury of his peers if that's the way it works. Um, But we take no position on it as a company. And then you can move on um, because because I think trying to completely disconnect uh, really shows uh, maybe a bit of a disconnect from, from your core audience, right? Black Rifle Coffee, I mean, they, they exist off of the irony of the gun community in a sense, right? You look at a guy like Matt Best, who again is another extraordinary human being, Um, who's done incredible things with his life, but his persona is irony, right? Like here's this really cool operator status guy who will dress goofy and act goofy, but he's still, you know, incredible at all the things he's doing while being goofy. Um, Makes the videos of himself playing silly guitar songs, but makes it a point to put these complex riffs and scales in them. I get it. That's just their style. So it attracts, I think, an audience that is in line with the idea that what Rittenhouse did was actually kind of bad, you know, bad mama jama type stuff. Like he showed up and and uh, did what needed to be done. And so I think the finger's kind of off the pulse of their core audience there. Um, but I don't know. I mean, they did the right thing. Point being, media hype, exaggerated, not as big of a deal as people want you to think it is. Don't overthink it. Okay? It's coffee. It's a kid that went out and protected his community. And uh, I don't have a problem with either one of them. Okay, it is time. I'm an ambitious 
officers. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure who this week's voter is. It's either Cuomo himself. Nah, I'm just kidding. It's not. It is uh, the Emmys. It's the people that decide the Emmys. The International Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. Uh, they've announced. And by the way, I thought this was going to be a backhanded compliment. I'm going to choose to take it that way. So the Emmys, who give out awards for pretending to be things that you're not, are giving one of these awards for pretending to be things that you're not to the governor of New York, who has pretended to care during the COVID crisis, even though he has sentenced thousands of people to death through his ineptitude and mishandling of the coronavirus. This is the man who sent people back to nursing homes who were still contagious with the coronavirus, spread it like wildfire throughout New York's elder facilities and killed countless people. And it is countless people because they don't even know. They don't even know. They won't even tell you. They won't even, like when his people went to testify to the New York legislature, when they were called and put under oath, his people said, well, can't really answer that. Because as you know, we're not going to speak to things that we don't know about. Newsday.com says that at a joint hearing held virtually with Senate and Assembly committees, legislatures, uh, legislators from both parties accused the Cuomo administration of failing to fully quantify the deaths in nursing homes. The administration has estimated more than 6,400 nursing home residents are among more than 25,000 New Yorkers who died of the virus. This, by the way... Is from August, so the numbers have increased for sure. Uh, but legislators say that's misleading because the administration's way of counting deaths, which can list the death of a nursing home resident as a hospital death, if that's where they were transferred before dying. So Cuomo puts you in a nursing home, you get COVID. Nursing home sends you to the hospital to fight the COVID, but you die from it. Cuomo goes, well, you didn't, I mean, not a nursing home death. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> nothing to do with that. So he's attempting to whitewash his record. That doesn't matter to the Emmys. The Emmys are all about who can be fake the best. They say, quote, the governor's 111 daily briefings worked so well because he effectively created television shows with characters, plot lines, and stories of success and failure. People around the world turned in, tuned in to find out what was going on. And New York Tough became a symbol of the determination to fight back and also profit off of countless deaths of old people. Oh, no, that part's not in there. But that part is true. See, the only part here that's true is the part they didn't put in it, which I will. Cuomo has written a book. He's written a book about how to be a leader due to the coronavirus. It's called American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic. So here's a dude who while old people are dying in homes because that's where he told them to go with coronavirus and they spread it around to other people who would not have gotten it otherwise. Now all these people are dying. He goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to profit off this. I'm going to write a book and I'm going to make a lot of money because I'm a Cuomo. And there's one thing the world knows about us. It's that we're not above profiteering off death, lies, and misconceptions. And that is why Andrew Cuomo is this week's voter of the Week. I'm an ambitious officer. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I'm part of the 100 Club. Uh-huh. Appreciate you hanging out. New episodes of the Felt Recall Podcast every Tuesday. And the stories I've covered this evening can be found 
at facebook.com slash felt recoil show. You can also reach us by email felt recoil show at gmail.com. Come on, be a guest, hang out. We'd love to have you. I promise it'd be fun. We'll see you in a week for another brand spanking new episode of the felt recoil podcast. Thank you.